What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And it is good to be back with y'all, and I hope you are doing very, very, very well. I have a dope conversation coming up with my guy, Marcus Garrett, but I just wanted to remind y'all of a couple of things. Don't forget to join the Real Fam Patreon page. It is up. You can join the Real Fam by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading over to patreon.com slash realtalkwithdumas. Um, You're not only supporting the show and making this thing grow and be the best it absolutely can be, but again, you get to see sneak peek stuff. Dope, right? I know, I know. Second thing is there are still a few spots available for the um, RTWD group coaching cohort that I'm starting up. I mentioned that in the last episode. I'm looking to get that started about mid-August, but again, it's consisting of about four one and a half to two hour sessions digging into a specific goal or idea or plan whatever you want to bring to that group and in these group coaching sessions we create a supportive and collaborative environment focused on results and action so if you are interested or know anybody interested click on the link in the show notes be sure to include building our own tables for the code in the inquiry form so i know that you are from rtwd and then you also will get an exclusive discount All right, on to our conversation. This week, I chopped it up with my friend Marcus. Uh, Marcus is a multimedia producer who loves tacos more than most people. He's an avid gamer, foodie, musician, and napper. He spends his time learning ways to be more inclusive and is currently focusing on addressing his own internalized fat phobia and ableism. In this episode, we talk about how we handled 2020 and how we're doing now, the impact of all the unrest of 2020 had on our relationships, and what being a good ally looks like as men, and why that hashtag not all men little movement thing is stupid as fuck, and how we are trying to find ways to support ourselves and our partners. Just a heads up, as this episode does contain some mentions of shootings and rape, no specific details, but I just wanted to flag those nonetheless for those who are a little bit more sensitive to those items. All right, y'all, here's Marcus. I know that we've had multiple conversations like throughout the last few months, the last year about how at times difficult 2020 was i mean we're both black so we 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 already realized like life in america is just very different for us but um i think 2020 was a big spotlight and we spent i mean facetime hours lots and lots we logged a lot of hours <laughs> um you know how how was it handling um that last year it was interesting cuz i i think 2020 put a lot of things into perspective for me Especially, so I had just started a a new role on a new team at my company, and um, I had this job that was just so fast-paced and just, like, so hard to keep up with. Like, I was starting to feel like I was falling behind, even though mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, like, I was more than capable and more than qualified to like have this job but like i just felt like i couldn't keep up and um mm. like uh and it was one coworker in particular who like sort of made just things feel very very hard and um just uh like uh like that's what actually led me to getting an official diagnosis and and like and like seeking a um a a psychiatrist where I was diagnosed with ADHD and some other things 
uh, officially, right? And um, mm. and I bring all that up to say that uh, when when George Floyd was murdered, when all of this when all of this unrest was just ha- happening, um, I was in this very fast paced job, uh, working f- like working working from home, and just my world as a black man is just 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 torn upside down i'm i'm feeling all of this weight i'm feeling the he- heaviness and like then i have this job that's just like uh it's just unrelenting and it's all mm-hmm. stuff that like you know like this doesn't matter you know it's like mm-hmm. it's like it's like this is some stupid job where you know i, I like click or you know on my computer screen and just like you know just working with all these files and like like this shit just it just, it just doesn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to to swear on on. Oh yeah, no, you're allowed to swear. All right. Fuck. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I know I was just and and like um, it was so hard to be like uh, to have like not even my manager, but but like just like a very like overbearing like white colleague. Um, who was mm. still my senior, but not my like manager. Where, like all this stuff, just like popping off, and like the weight of the world just feels so just heavy. Mm. And then mm-hmm. going to work and having this coworker who like makes work feel like the most important thing, mm-hmm. and it's just not. And then um, and being in a situation where like you can't really say like, hey, I can't really focus. Because I'm out protesting, I'm like crying, I'm doing all of the his stuff, and just and just sort of having to be in this environment where like I'm just breaking down, and mm-hmm. and and like someone else is like, yeah, but we have deadlines, right? I'm like, fuck your deadlines, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, no, for real. It's like you can't say that. And um, I actually took, I took like personal time and like you know i told my manager that i was grieving um and like i was but it wasn't for family it was it was it was it was it was for george floyd it was for it was for brianna taylor it was it was Mm -hmm. for everyone one else like i was i was literally at home crying and i was like reading but it was like how can you bring that to your workplace when like no one else gets it. Like, yeah. It's like no one else feel you know feels that. So, yeah. I feel a lot of 2020 was like really just like reckoning with just a lot of the way that things are going on in the world, and also just working at a a big corporation and just feeling the weight of capitalism and mm. and racism and misogyny and just seeing it all just just so much more over just just so much more in your face yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense and thank you so much for hitting on so many things and and being vulnerable there i i as a, as you were sharing i was thinking about like even my own work experience and i know like the gaming industry in and of itself is really like white dominated like there's not a lot of people of color in that space already so you having to balance the what you feel as a black person and bringing that in already. So aside from 2020, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then, but then you have all of these things happening in the world and like 
not being able to, well, actually probably being able to put those things into words, but people not understanding and getting that and it connecting and resonating that I actually need a beat. I, I need some time um, and I need space to like breathe because like um, I think there is a, it goes back to this like age old disconnect between like um, black folks seeing this happen over and over and over again and then like white people telling us to get over it. And they don't say that overtly, but like, it's like a minimal kind of care, but then it's just like, all right, but like, hey, just make sure you get this done. Or, it's just like, or like, you know, like I understand you're not doing well, but this needs to be done. It's just like, it's, it's tone deaf. It's, it's, um, it is, uh, it's inconsiderate. It's, it's, it's really difficult. And like the thing too, is that America, and you mentioned capitalism, America and American capitalism specifically is like not designed to provide space to like feel and for humanity, like a deep emotional connection within the workplace, unfortunately. And it's just like really frustrating. And I feel like that's from what I, that's what I took from what you said is like, there's no space for you to be your full black self in your work, um, which is to feel your feelings. How you said, you mentioned that it was bringing um, 2020 brought a lot of perspective. What, what, what change of perspective do you think you've had um, coming out of out of that year? I think it's been a lot of things. Um, but to try to zero in on like one big theme, um, it's just the, I don't know, just the burden of being like, I guess the burden of knowledge um, mm. and like uh, the more you start to know the more you know you don't know mm-hmm. and trying to um, even in terms of being a good ally or like what does putting in the work look like right um, like in at the peak of the George Floyd protests um, I bought so many books I went through a couple I'm not a great reader um I'm like I'm like very slow. I get I get distracted. So like for me reading has always just been like uh just like very hard to like commit to. Mm-hmm. Um like started donating all of like all of this money, just started doing just like just like all of just 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 all of these things and then and then you realize like, well yeah, but like this is just for one one cause and and it's and it's like you know in in the like we're in an age where being woke is like is is a thing and a phrase that like we use which is i don't know it's kind of lost a lot of meaning now but i mean i think it is important to have that context of like social justice and these kinds of topics are um, starting to really catch ground and, and, and starting to become more mainstream and like cared about and like talked about, about more. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because you can be an expert in one area of social justice, like that doesn't really mean that you're a universally good ally. Mm-hmm. And, I realize all of the work that I have to do just to even just be, um, just to understand, like, 
I'm an expert in the black male experience, but I'm not an expert in black women. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not an expert in LGBT. I'm not an expert in, in disabilities. And like all of them have their own nuances. All of them have their just like bloody his, his histories. Like, I think what's been tough is like realizing like, okay, like I want to be a champion for everyone and a champion for the just common good. And, and I want to see everyone thrive and Mm -hmm. the work that it takes to sort of be that person for everyone. Like it's impossible, you know, Mm, like I could never be, a good ally for like every marginalized, every oppressed uh, group, and and also at the same time that like that like that doesn't mean that I can't try. And so, going back to the question is like I feel like how my perspectives changed is I feel the weight of knowing that I don't know anything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and like I just want to help and I want to be a good person and like it's like well does like does that mean I just devote my entire life to just studying and just like researching like ways that like you know like how to undo these 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 like great harms like there's not enough mm-hmm. time in the day. Yeah. There's not yep. enough time to even just be human. And there's you know mm-hmm. like and and so uh, I guess I I've just been feeling that a bunch, just just like that weight of knowing there's so much work that I have to do mm-hmm. on top of just being human and having a job and putting a roof o- over my head and mm-hmm. and having emotions and fears and doubts like it's like all, all that plus trying to be just a champion of the of everyone like it's heavy yeah it's heavy. it is it is yeah i um i just feel because i feel that too of like even most recently like uh, work has been really hard i mean it's been hard for like the last eight or nine months um for me but it's it's been especially hard the last like month and a half and there's been some major things that have happened like multiple mass shootings um other folks killed by the police, um, just the rise in anti-Asian, anti-Asian sentiment, but also like attacks to the Asian um, and Pacific Islander community. Um, and I want to care deeply about these things. I want to like raise awareness. I want to bring it up in the podcast. I want to um, talk to all these people. I want to actually like, honestly, like feel, have enough like emotional capacity to feel these things. And to be quite frank, like I haven't had it. Like I have no, I don't, Right now, I have the emotional capacity to like be what I can for my my partner, my wife, and then bring what I can to work and support those who need supporting and all those things. And like, I usually don't even have enough left for myself. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's um, I've found I found myself like emotionally numb. But at the same thing, these same time, these things are important, and they need advocates and they need people to speak out and and do that. And I think I've. I've had that same struggle. Like I've, I've learned a lot, one, doing this podcast, but two, just reading books and um, making myself knowledgeable and whatnot. 
But yeah, the more knowledge you know, more knowledge you have, like the more you realize you don't know, the more you realize you you mess up consistently and all the time. Yeah. And I'm trying, I don't think I've landed on this yet, but I'm trying to land on of like I can do what I can with what I have in my purview. Um, but I also I also have to do my best to I have to do my best to like be be empathetic, be compassionate, be courageous, be brave when when I see forms of oppression, when I see forms of hate, when I see forms of racism, misogyny, all those things, um, homophobia, transphobia, all those things, and really like raise awareness and speak to it in those moments too, right? And like, <laughs> am I okay with that being enough? Because I really want to be a champion of it. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, it, it doesn't feel like enough. That's that's I think that's the hard part. Like it doesn't feel like that I'm doing enough and it never feels like I'm doing enough. Yeah. And, and I, I, feel, I feel, like, feel like that part is just hard. I feel like too, it's because you see people, a good example is the last night me and my partner were, uh, at a, at a protest and mm-hmm. at a demonstration at the Irvine civic center, um, organized by OC for black lives who were very active last year for um for all of the protests last year um but then when the shootings happened um against the aapi community they put together a protest here in in orange county and then we and so yesterday we like went to that march and like you 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 like see all these amazing folks like all these mm-hmm. organizers like the mayor of Irvine was there mm-hmm. the mayor of Tustin like all these amazing women just like just like just like powerful like like taking time out of their weekend like they don't have to be there but like they're still showing up like all these organizers who who like are just volunteers right and it's like uh like is the only path to like just like basically quit your job and then devote your whole life to to like this kind of work because people are doing that and mm-hmm. like anything less than that to me just feels like I'm not doing enough and that I never could you know mm. yeah I <laughs> and I have to I, I mean. <laughs> The thing is, is like, uh, yeah, I, I feel that too. Of like, do I need to go ahead and quit and just like start doing this, right? Um, but it's funny because I've told people, or like, you know, some folks that I've mentored, and you know, some of the folks that we facilitate these conversations because they they feel this, right? They feel this part um, that we're talking about right now. It's really funny, and I've always told them, it's like, actually, like, we need you in the space that you're in. We need you in the space that you're in to do the, to do that work. But like I'm starting to rub up against that myself, like of of that feeling of like, do I need to like stay in my, like, is this the best place that I can be to like facilitate this? Is this the best place I can do? Um, I have settled on no for me, um, <laughs> personally. It's just a lot of things have shifted and changed at my job and, and work, um, where I was able to do that before, and I can't do it now. But I think, I also think that that is not everybody's. Like, not everybody can do that. Everybody, like you mentioned, like, you got to put, like, food on the table, roof over the head. Like, it's it, it's a really hard balance um, to land on. I'm curious how, 
are there other areas not are there other areas in your life that you feel like that you're able to give enough because we talked about the not enough portion but where do you feel like you're giving enough i don't know if i can say any area you know honestly mm. i i think i think um i think for me i spend a lot of time learning like mm-hmm. taking information in um understanding things i think i think that's one of my strengths is my capacity to just like learn and like understand and like uh i put myself in these spaces that make me uncomfortable and i'm learning Mm -hmm. to sit with that better and just like uh, being around people and just the willingness to be told that i'm wrong which Mm. i think is really hard and it's uncomfortable but like you know i i I feel like i'm really good at like the like learning part 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 of it so like i feel like Mm -hmm. I have a, a lot of knowledge that's really helpful and that I've been able to apply and like even bring up in like certain situations. But um, I also don't see myself as the community organizer, right? Like, 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 mm. like I'm not putting together these drives or, or like, or like these GoFundMe's or I don't know. I feel like. I have a lot of knowledge, but I am not able to apply it in any way that's, that feels meaningful. Um, mm. I've had all my needs met during, during COVID. And so what I have been able to provide has been mostly financial. Um, mm-hmm. When that January stimmy hit, I just, <laughs> I just looked for folks and just put out, and like just this open call and I was like, hey, if you need cash, like just just like ask ask me and you know, I just like gave that, you know, stimmy away to a bunch of different folks. Like it's mm-hmm. like I feel like that's uh what I've been able to do, like what my contribution has been just during this time where, you know, I have all of my needs met and at the end of each month, like I have extra, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but that doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel significant. <laughs> like mm-hmm. let's like maybe it's significant to the, like to those individuals who are on the receiving end, but understanding that all this stuff is systemic, like mm-hmm. it always just feels like, band-aids right it like it like doesn't feel like lasting change you know it, it's like you might be able to help that one person for that one day or or like for that one week but like it doesn't fix the problems that are causing this to be a perpetual need that is not being met naturally yeah it feels like money is always like that band-aid solution but honestly it's like a it, it's never but it's like still needed like <laughs> to to get to do the work, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I feel like similarly like when when we're just like so, me and Lin, me and Lance like when we're just so tired, I think that uh we have made it a priority to like give give our money away and um uh support those organizations that are doing the work on the ground when we when we physically can't be there. So I feel like I feel like yeah, I feel like partially, yeah, it feels like a band-aid solution, but at the same time, it's 
also like at times the best that we could absolutely do. Like literally like there's, there's no other option. Like money is the best uh, thing that we can do. How, with everything that you have been talking about with me right now and, and working through immensely, I'm sure you've shared it with your partner. How has that like impacted y'all's relationship and how do y'all navigate that together? I think it's very interesting because um, like, you know, like I brought up, there's just too much in the world where everyone can be an expert in in everything. Mm. Um, and so very much it, it feels like, you know, my wife and I have very, like, similar-oriented hearts towards just, like, wanting to see justice. Um, and, like, everyone have equal opportunity and equal access to health and education and safety. Um, mm. It's like we both want those things. Um but we also, our experiences and like sort of the focuses within that are very different. Um, Got you. Where, you know, one as like as a black man, um, I'm, I'm very much interested in just the black struggle. Uh, she, she is Latinx. Um, she's like she's like currently going through her her own journey of self discovery, of trying and like trying to um, unpack just the layers of being Latinx in mm. a which is like has so many layers of like colorism. Um, mm -hmm. colonization just so many layers and it's like we're both passionate about justice but like our focuses are shaped by our own unique perspectives right and like and, yeah. like, and like so and so she has a female perspective and like and like issues that she's le learning about and going on this self discovery about um that like, like while I still care about those things, I'm also thinking more about disabilities lately. Um, mm. I'm I'm like thinking um, a lot about the religious trauma. Uh, it's like we're both growing. We're growing together in some ways. We're like learning how to love and like love people better mm. um but then the specifics with what like within that are also very different and so when you look at last year it's also realizing and starting to come to terms that in some areas we're, we're like in very different places um mm. and when the protests and blm move you know movement was like really in in, in full force last year and I was needing to take that that time off of work it's like she you know loves me and wants to support me and wants to see me thrive um, there were just some things that she wasn't able to really so really able to support me in as much as she wanted to because um, she has never lived in a black 
body and has not had to go through a lot of the same things that I've had to go through. And so as much as she supports me, um, there are just some things that she couldn't give me. Like there were some things that I could only sort out and like get comfort from, from other black folk. And so it was sort of the, the like first time in our relationship where like we couldn't process or grieve these things together. Um, mm. Similarly, these last couple weeks have been just very terrible against w- women, um, shootings against women, cops assaulting, raping, and, you know, killing women who were walking home. At the time of this recording, the case of Sarah Everard was fresh on our minds. Now, some of y'all may remember the name Sarah Everard. For those of you who don't, Sarah Everard disappeared after leaving a friend's house to walk home on March 3rd, 2020. Camera footage shows Sarah walking on well-lit streets. She was actually even speaking to her boyfriend on the phone and doing many of the things that women are advised to do to improve their safety. Yet Sarah never made it home. In fact, on March 12, 2020, the body of Sarah was discovered in a wooded area, and on that same day, Wayne Cusins, a London police officer, was arrested and charged with the kidnapping and murder of Sarah, in which he pled guilty to kidnap and rape, but not that murder charge. Interesting. Protests across the UK went on for weeks, and broader questions around women's safety started in media outlets and on social media platforms across the globe. In fact, women even started to share their own experiences of sexual harassment, just general harassment on streets and public transit. Like all, like all this stuff is so heavy. And uh, as much as I try to be there for, for her, like there's just some parts where she's just like, no, like you can't, you can't help me. It's like, you're part of this problem Mm -hmm. like yeah like like you benefit from the patriarchy and it's and it's killing me and like you can't help me heal here and Mm -hmm. you know so it's just interesting how all that plays out no absolutely and uh, that's another thing that me and Lynn's have talked about is like the only literally the only thing at times i can do is just like listen to her and it was one of the i think one of the first moments that i in our relationship, because Lynn's is white, um, that I have, I've had to sit back and be like, all right, not the first time, but acknowledge my privilege in, in my maleness, right? It's like, you know, I might be black, but there are certain things and spaces where like Lynn's is not even acknowledged or, or taken, taken seriously or considered. And, and especially like me not having to, well, in my current neighborhood, I don't have to worry about, you know, walking down the street by myself at night like I can go for a jog by myself and I'll feel perfectly fine but like for Lynn's um you know like that's a completely different story like the the stuff that they have to do pretending to be on the phone um having their keys in their hands like like sticking out to protect themselves like all these systems in place are things that they have to do to make sure that they're all right I don't I don't have to do that you know and just like listening and hearing her vent the frustration and like the only thing is like you know oftentimes I'm just like I I play such a big role in like perpetuating those things and it's just like it feels it feels like damn 
I'm so sorry. But do I apologize often enough? You know what I'm saying? Probably not. (laughs) Um, And in what ways am I working to dismantle these systems that are, um, that are continuously like not benefiting the person that, you know, I love the most in this entire world. You know what I'm saying? It is really hard. And then there's like dynamics of like being black too. I've talked about this so many times, uh, but like the oppression Olympics, I don't want to play that. I don't want to play that, the oppression Olympics and just like, yo, y'all have it hard, but like, listen, like this is what's been happening for like 400 plus, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not the same thing. And it's, it's holding those, holding the, those things in tension of like what they've experienced, what others experience and what, what I'm experiencing. And like, you can be compassionate for others while at the same time mourning for the things that are happening in your own community and like being with people and and the compassion and the empathy drives to action, the passion and empathy, the compassion and empathy should drive and motivate you to make something change to change yeah. the things that the people that you care about are, are experiencing. Going back to like the perspective shifts, do you feel like that's been something that's changed for you as well? Um, as more recently, um, some of these violent acts against women have caught more attention. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Um, okay. Yes in the sense that, you know, I think um, I'll start with no. So no in the sense that, that, that like, you know, I've been aware and I've been listening to these things for for a very long time. Going back to the idea of, like, we all have our sort of, like, focuses of, like, what causes that, like, we're passionate about, my... Like some of my biggest ones would be religious liberation, just the black experience, and then sexual assault prevention, um, like rape culture, and just like and, and just like feminism and and like patriarchy are like areas that I've invested a lot of time in and have put a lot of work into in college i was a part of this this organization called i am that girl which was started just to be just like a very empowering club for like women to start to basically dispel all of the lies that the patriarchy has built that has led them to feel inferior and to allow everybody to like be the best versions of themselves and um i was also a sexual assault crisis counselor i got my certification in santa ana so i was certified to be you know like when like when you call the hotline um like I could answer those those um calls and like start to like talk um to you know someone who was in crisis um mm. and all of these these things where I've just have a lot of in a lot of investment in so like been growing in that area and have been intentional about growing in that area for you know many many years but more recently I'm starting to see more clearly just the ways that I still contribute to these problems, how I still uh, prop up 
the patriarchy and like how it still benefits me and mm. like how I perpetuate just all these harmful ide all these harmful ideas um mm. that continue to lead to this violence against against women and and like and like even um how I have how how I make actions that like oppress my my own wife like mm -hmm. that's been um harder to reckon with that 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 you know as much work as i've put in like i'm still a part of the problem and like and like i still mm -hmm. do things that just uh you know the most important important person in my life doesn't always feel as free and liberated and validated as I want all women to feel at all, all times. Like I'm not always safe. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not always caring. And yeah. so, I mean, I think reckoning with that has been super challenging. Mm. I, and I, I, <laughs> I just want to bring up something cause um, I've just saw this hashtag, like not all men going around and it's just like really frustrating <laughs> and really infuriating because like those same dudes will be you know well I'm not like that I've never assaulted and never sexually assaulted anybody I've never done that I've never even thought it um, so it's not all men but the, and one of the things that we've been talking about what you've hit at a lot with what you just said is like it doesn't matter how much work you're putting in like we as men still benefit from benefit from the patriarchy, still benefit from these things. And whether we intentionally do harm, there's still an impact from our actions that like is felt by um, women yes. <laughs> in our lives and, and, and around us. And so like, regardless of whether you intentionally do an act or, or, or you unknowingly do an act or whatever, like you, us as men have to acknowledge that, you know, we, women didn't build this system. Similarly, like black people didn't build the system of racism. And so it's, our responsibility as men to dismantle it anywhere we see it, whether it be in ourselves, around us. And it's just like, I just laugh at them because I'm like, you're really that insecure, um, really that like you can't like own your own stuff or, or even think that you've played a part in it enough to like create this hashtag and need all these resource groups. Like men's egos are really, really <laughs> easy to easy to harm. Yeah, I swear, no. easy to harm. It's um, true. Yeah. It's true. And what that makes you think of, of like, uh, I mean, I can give you some examples of all of the ways that I failed my wife, but like things that I, that, that like I didn't think of, um, mm. because I think a big part of the problem is that so much of this stuff has become so normalized that like you can't recognize it as being misogynistic or being sexist. Um, all of this stuff is so normalized. It's just um, like you don't even really realize it. So I start to think of like, uh, I don't want to talk about the, his, his stuff. It's so, it's just kind of ugly, you know? But, yeah, but, yeah. but like, but like um, I mean, I mean, even, even like, okay, so like how much my wife has to pay for that I just don't consider my problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, there's the makeup and, and there's and there's and there's all of these things that like the only reason why women are really wearing 
wearing this aside because aside from they want to just look a certain way but it's propped up because of an 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 expectation that they have to present themselves in a certain way and mm. there are very real consequences if they don't right yep. so like mm-hmm. so like there's this whole beauty industry that is really just the biggest grift <laughs> yeah of just like making making women feel like they have to feel beautiful in order to to be seen and to be respected mm-hmm. which is all this big lie but like it's propagated i don't know this is this is all getting out of out of order and you should probably edit that part out but no i no but i'm i'm tracking with you because i'm thinking of like the cost of razors and how even okay so like razors it'll be the same exact thing but a a female quote-unquote female razor is significantly more expensive than a male razor you know what i'm saying like um all of these products that can be interchangeable that literally all you gotta do is change the color are more expensive for women than it is for men okay now i recognize that a majority of my listeners are very aware of the price discrepancies that i mentioned in the episode But for those of you that don't know about gender-based pricing, also known as the pink tax, the pink tax is an upcharge on products traditionally intended for women which have only cosmetic differences from comparable products traditionally intended for men. In other words, it's not actually a tax, but what Jennifer Weiss-Wolf, a lawyer and the vice president for the Brennan School of Justice at NYU School of Law and the co-founder of Period Equity asserts The pink tax is an income generating scenario for private companies who have found a way to market their product to look either more directed to or more appropriate for a population and saw it as a moneymaker. So I know I I totally and even like there's feminine products and there's like a special tax on feminine feminine products making it extremely expensive. It's Um, it's yeah, it's unbelievable. And like how many like like how much of humanity needs like needs these products like like it should just be free yeah like you know it's like it's like there's all of these things and it's like when it comes to things like birth control when it comes to Mm -hmm. like it's always been seen as the woman's responsibility to take care of and it's like that's a that's a bad idea like you know it's like who thought of you know it's like it's like why is that the standard that the women has to be the only one who cares that if she gets pregnant mm, right mm-hmm. it's like her responsibility at the end of the the um day right and like so i don't know there's just so many things that are so screwed up i started like i need to do this more consistently but like when it comes to birth control, when it comes to just more feminine and women-focused things, like like I need to be the one putting up my like like I need to be the one paying for all of that stuff because it's not just my wife's you know thing. Like if we are married, we're it's like this is a partnership and like we're both dealing 
with these things. Um, mm. I started like I've I've started buying pregnancy te- tests. M- Melanie has never been pregnant, <laughs> yeah. but like but like you know, you know she still has to worry about if she is like 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 we're not in a position where like we feel comfortable being able to afford a child and like i feel like uh and like so she would get freaked out she would get a test and she's probably had like 20 tests uh just like just like since we've been to since since we've been together they've Mm. they've always been negative but 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 like you know that's something that she has to fear Mm. because if she does get pregnant like i'm not the one who's gonna have the baby in my body Mm -hmm. it's gonna be hers and whatever decisions that come with that like she has to make that and she has to deal with those with with those consequences and like so i'm starting to like realize like i can no longer just treat it as if these things are are just melanie's problems mm-hmm. um like even though i know or i'm 99% sure she's not pregnant like i started being the one to just start buying all of the pregnancy tests so that whenever she feels anxious whenever she starts to like worry like that's just there for her and then Mm -hmm. that's one less thing that she has to worry about like one like one less thing that she has to stress over it's also things that i'm like realizing of like like ways that i've made her feel bad for things that are just just standard woman things right Mm, like mm -hmm. um like i can't call myself a feminist and also make her feel weird um when she starts talking about her blood right because that's a normal thing like that's a human thing and you know i'm comfortable with period talk but like when she starts getting into specifics like you know that's when my like face starts to go like ooh, you know like you know it's yeah like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like that's where i reach my personal limit but like mm. no i i feel i feel like i need to start being like leaning into that more like you know mm-hmm. being more com- comfortable with those like like dt like like with those details that aren't always sexy like, yeah even if it's even if it's uncomfortable right just being yeah like <laughs> it's like it's all right to be uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. with it like <laughs> they're they're much more uncomfortable because they're experiencing it you yeah. know what i'm saying because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> periods ain't no joke there's a <laughs> they ain't no joke so well i'm curious considering like like everything that we've talked about and even the things that we have to manage um, as a black man, how, and I, I feel like you're leaning into it. A little, you've leaned to, into it a little bit more with what you've been saying, but how do we work to be allies ourselves? Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is just realizing that like your work is never done. Realizing that you have blind spots, you have things that you just don't know. And like, you need to continue to press in and like start to listen more Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then just do, like, you gotta be willing to do your own research. Find ways that you can help lift the burden of marginalized groups. Even as a marginalized group, you're yourself, you know? It's like, uh, I have my own issues that I'm dealing with as a black man, as all of my other identities, right? Um, and I've got to work through that. Um, and so I know what that's like to, mm. you, you know, like how hard it is to sort of work through your own shit. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't understand it, um, I think we need to get better at seeking our own answers, being a little more self-sufficient, even when it's hard, even when you're tired, um, because you're going through your own stuff. I, I think, uh, I think if everyone, if everyone was trying to lift up the burdens of others, nobody would ever really feel tired because at any moment, there's like 10 other people who have their backs, right? Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. if we start to build a culture where we start focusing on other people and like start trying to um, just put others' needs first, mm -hmm. um, if everyone did that, all of our needs would always be met. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. That's probably not the right answer, but I mean, that's... I think that might be a place to start. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's your answer, so it makes it right. <laughs> well, man, I, I thank you so much for your time and just like just what you shared today. I feel like I feel like for me, I. Yeah, it's it's always good to like talk about these things with somebody who's like in a similar space. And I truly believe like iron sharpens iron. And, and there's like a level of accountability when you share it with somebody who's like experiencing something similar and maybe even further along. And so I just appreciate you willing to share and go deep into those things. You said you would, and I appreciate your heart <laughs> um, and vulnerability on a podcast. I really do. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for having me on. You know, it's been a long time coming and uh, I'm, you know, happy to finally make it happen. Absolutely. Actually, can I, can <laughs> I, can I tell you something that I, uh, so I, I go to the grocery store like at the same time every Sunday and there's mm -hmm. the same guy who like always works there and um I always go to his lane and then and then just over the the um um weeks we just started to like talk more and uh, more and then um I told him that I was going to be on on this podcast and um mm -hmm. so he's so so he's going to be checking it out so you know shout that's out, awesome so shout out to um edwin well shout out edwin um you never know what could happen edwin if i if i meet you one day you know that's cool <laughs> <laughs> awesome dude. well i appreciate you um and yeah i'm uh i'm really thankful for you and and, and what you shared today yeah th thanks man no appreciate you too we talked about a lot of things in this episode I'm thinking about this idea of not giving enough to social justice issues and what progress in those issues even look like. The reality is, regardless of what issue you more or less care about, we can never give enough. These issues are much bigger than an individual person 
Yet we live in a society where we are constantly witnessing some form of injustice. For some of us, constantly experiencing it. This is why I can't help but ask myself almost daily, what have I done to prevent this? What have I done to prevent racism? What have I done to prevent homophobia? What have I done to prevent xenophobia? What have I done to you know, minimize the pay gap? What have I done to end homelessness? All of these things. And like Marcus said, we've read the books, donated the money, had the conversations, gone to the protests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What else can I do? What else can we do? You know, for some of us, there is much more that we can do. You know, read more books, donate more money, have more conversations, support black and brown businesses, so on and so forth. Y'all, y'all experience 2020, y'all have the list, right? <laughs> but for me, I, I, I'm also thinking about what it really comes down to. And I think for me, it comes down to at the rate at which progress is happening. I think about that and I think I also think about how like my grandfather and my youngest brother have had very similar experiences with the police. I think about my friends go to a soccer game and get harassed by random dudes and all this stuff. I think about the pay gap disparities between the hella rich and the lower class and they continue to increase even though we're recovering from a pandemic. I think about all of the disparities in healthcare and education and all those things. The list again goes on and on and on. Where are the results? Out of all the things that I've done, out of all the things that I've seen other people do, out of all like the supposed legislation that's been done, where are the results? I don't know about y'all, but I am ready to see something happen now. But that's not how any of this stuff works. It is slow, painstaking work. It is consistently learning about my shortcomings when it comes to being an ally and when it comes to big systemic change. It is not giving up and taking the incremental progress as progress. Change takes time. And honestly, I'm not too sure of what giving or doing enough even looks like. And as we make progress, sometimes at a snail's pace, towards a different future, maybe maybe progress looks like when people are telling different stories. I don't know. We shall see, y'all. We shall see. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas. Additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. And if you haven't already, consider joining The Real Fam on Patreon. Your support means so much, and I cannot wait for you to be a part of the community. All right, y'all. Till next time. Peace.